We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deep Herd operates. Welcome back to the Grains Combo Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. In today's episode, I'm talking with Deeper research scientists Catherine Borger and Hamahinda Damu. We will be discussing how weeds performed in the 2023 season focusing on how the season has influenced weed seed set and weed seed dormancy. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine and Hamahinda. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. Before we dive in, can you give me a bit of a background on each of your roles at the department? Cindy, I am the discipline leader of the Weed Science Group at Deep Herd, based out of Northam. Uh, Cindy, I am a research scientist uh, based at uh, Northam, and I joined the department in 1996. So it's nearly 25 years uh, with the department. Catherine, as we approach the end of the 2023 season, have you observed any noteworthy trends in weed behaviour across the WA Grain Belt this year? Well, the WA Grain Belt has definitely been generally drier than the last couple of years, although it is very patchy and some areas look really spectacular. But in general, there's a lot of dry areas. And in a year like this, it's hard to get full control. Weed emergence is a lot more staggered in a dry year. Weeds are often stressed at the time of spraying. Crop competition in some areas has been very poor. There's not much a short, sparse crop can do against weeds. On the bright side, the weeds that are surviving are often small and stressed and, like the crop, are going to have less of a yield. Don't be tempted to think that a tiny weed is not going to cause any problems. A tiny little plant that's only 10 centimetres high with a couple of seed heads can still be producing a couple hundred seeds per metre squared. So those small weeds will be producing more than enough seed to keep the seed bank ticking along in future years. But that's much better than having huge healthy weeds dropping a few thousand seeds per metre squared. Those numbers are quite impressive for a weed. Hamahinda, how does a dry season impact herbicide performance? Uh, Cindy, as uh, Catherine mentioned, uh, most of uh, W weed belt, particularly northern and eastern areas, uh, have had the rainfall decile one to three from April to October this year, which is below average rainfall. So conditions uh, have been dry there. Soil active, pre-emergent herbicides require moisture in soil for their activation. Uh, for example, uh, simazine to be taken up by plants, the required water content, minimum required water content is 5% in sandy soils and uh, 10 to 15% in uh, heavier soils. So dry soil generally means little or no herbicide activity. And this means that weeds that germinate, especially from depth, may not be affected by the herbicide which is on the soil surface. When a dry spell follows weed germination, weed root growth is mainly downwards, chasing moisture, and the herbicides are left behind on the, on the surface. As a result, poor weed control. 
Also, dry conditions make the immersed weeds tougher. So, under dry conditions, weeds form a thicker and vexier cuticle that limits post-emergent herbicide penetration and translocation to the target sites. Also, weeds grow more roots than shoots, means small weeds have a bigger root system. Also, the soil activity of post-emergent generally is limited due to dry conditions. And also, another impact of dry winter could be increased number of frost events in the frost-prone areas. Uh, frost can also reduce performance of many post-emergent herbicides as well. So overall, under dry conditions, herbicide performance is generally lower with poor weed control. Uh, so some of the surviving weeds could set seed and create weed problems in the next season. Uh, thanks, Siddhi. Thanks, Hamahinda. And Catherine, how does a dry season affect weed seed set and weed seed dormancy? The impact on weed seed set is generally the same as the impact on crop seed set. If a plant's dry, whether it's a weed or a crop, it's going to have fewer seeds per plant. It'll also have smaller seeds. And hopefully we'll see a lot of weed seedlings coming up next year that are a bit less vigorous than usual. Because if you have a smaller seed, then hopefully you have a less vigorous seedling. So that will be a good thing for next season. There's another advantage of having a spring like this spring that has been quite this warm and dry. Weed seeds, particularly in grasses, you would expect them to have seed with lower dormancy. So in 2024, if we get a good opening rainfall, then weed seeds should come up a little bit more uniformly than usual. And as I said, those weed seedlings should have slightly less early vigour. So there's a good opportunity to really clear up a lot of the weed seed bank early in the season next year. Thinking about harvest this season, is there value in harvest weed seed control in a dry year since the weeds might be short or shedding early? That's a question we get quite often. And the answer is there is always, always value in having harvest weed seed control. Yes, in a year like this, there'll be a lot of short plants that go straight under the harvester. There will be a lot of early shedding, particularly for species like grape broom, wild radish. But harvest weed seed control, even if it's only catching 10 or 20% of the weed seeds, it's still worth doing. The long-term modelling shows that even a small removal of weed seeds at the end of the season has a huge impact. If you control the weed at the start of the season, it has plenty of chance to recover. For example, if you control the first cohort of weeds, then the second cohort of weeds just have less competition, so they have greater seed set. But at the end of the season, if you take away the weed seeds, there's nothing the plants can do to recover from that. And the chances of developing any form of resistance to harvest weed seed control is pretty small because the only way plants can become resistant is to become shorter or to start shedding seed earlier. And that is going to have a massive impact on their productivity. I mean, if you have a short weed that can't finish grain fill over spring because it's worried about shedding, then it's not going to be a weed. It's going to be a benign, lovable background plant that no one cares about. So I would have said good season or bad season, always good to get in there with harvest weed seed control. And Hamahinda, how does a dry season potentially impact herbicide residues? The length of time a herbicide remains active in soil 
is called its soil residual life. Uh, generally, a herbicide with long, longer residual activity is considered good for keeping weeds under control for a longer period. But under dry conditions, uh, it could be an issue for uh, succeeding crops in the rotation. So once in soil, herbicide breakdown typically uh, happens via microbial degradation and or chemical uh, reactions such as uh, hydrolysis. So herbicide breakdown depends upon many factors, including soil temperature and moisture, microbial activity, soil type, soil pH, soil organic matter, uh, chemistry of the herbicide used and how it degrades. Many, many herbicides, they are broken down through microbial degradation. And this pathway is favored by moist and warm uh, aerobic soils. So when I'm saying aerobic means oxygen is present and soil is not waterlogged. So in the winter months of suppose June, July, August, when soils are generally wet enough for degradation to happen, uh, it happens at the slowest rate because of low temperatures. For example, uh, simazine has a half-life of three to six months uh, during winter. So, I mean, half-life is a herbicide, is a length of time by which its effectiveness will be reduced by half. So, in an every year, average rainfall year, uh, at least 90% of the simazine applied in crop will be broken down by end of the season. Any remaining simazine may, will not have any effect on the following crop. However, under dry conditions, simazine carryover could be an issue for, for the following uh, succeeding crop penetration due to its lower breakdown. So overall, uh, dry conditions reduce herbicide breakdown and potentially increase carryover effect of herbicides in soil. Uh, every herbicide product label carry plant back period with minimum rainfall requirement for different crops and uh, growers and consultants should follow those uh, guidelines in this sort of situation. And what role does summer rainfall play in breaking down herbicides that are applied in winter? Uh, any summer rain will help with the herbicide breakdown, but the effect of such rain is uh, hard to predict. Uh, they do occur when soil temperatures are high and therefore breakdown is rapid uh, as long as the soil remains moist. However, uh, drying is usually quick, uh, at least in the top few centimeters, and so the bigger breakdown period is short. Also consider how rain has fallen rather than simply calculating the rainfall total. A single rainfall event with months of dry topsoil is less effective at sustaining microbial populations compared with the same rainfall occurring uh, as a number of events that keep the topsoil wet for a longer period of time. For example, a new farm intercept IMI herbicide label says that if a single isolated heavy summer, autumn and break rains are required to achieve the rainfall targets, it may not be safe to sow non-IMI herbicide-tolerant cereals within 10 months of uh, application. In this situation, they are pointing towards importance of rainfall received during winter growing season. Are there particular herbicide products that growers need to be vigilant about in terms of herbicide residue? Uh, Cindy, there are many herbicides for which uh, growers and consultants need to be careful about. So I will be just discussing main ones here, uh, like, you know, IMI herbicides, sulfonylurea herbicides like cosulfuron, triasulfuron, or triazines like simazine, etrazine. So they are, they are the sort of, you know, they, they can create a carryover issue. Imi herbicides, they are more persistent in acidic soils, and sulfonylureas and triazines, they are more persistent in alkaline soils. Uh, similarly, diflophenicon carryover effect uh, can be uh, damaging to uh, canola. 
similarly propylate for example uh, lontrol which is used suppose this year in in cereals or in canola can be a issue for the pulses or legumes uh, next year in, in rotation formsafen for example reflux can be issue for the cereal crops especially when used on uh, uh, sandy to sandy loam soils which are low in organic carbon and used at higher rates of uh, liter to liter and a half per hectare uh, commonly used herbicides like uh, proxisulfone like uh, for example scura has a requirement of 9 months with the uh, 250 ml of rain for succeeding barley canola pulses and lupins in rotation so if you are suspecting any residue issues from this herbicide weed will be the safest option for next year's cropping similarly bexlozone which is for example uh, overwatch also has a requirement of 9 months with 250 ml of rain for succeeding chickpeas oats clovers and subclover crops so if you are suspecting any residues residues from this herbicide uh, wheat canola and barley will be the safest options in this order so i will reemphasize please check the plant back period of uh, herbicides used this year when planning next year's crops and varieties toward uh, crop damage and can you suggest any websites that our listeners can go to to get more detailed information on this topic uh send it there uh, the growers or consultants they can uh, go to department of primary industries and regional development or deeper website and also they can uh, check on the grdc website there's a lot of good information available uh, which they can use for decision making thank you And Catherine Hamahinda, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and highlighting the ways this season has influenced weed seed set and weed seed dormancy. Thank you for having us, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll be back on the first and fifteenth of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening.